What's going on, guys? Tyler Louder here, joined again with Aaron Ben. This is Second and Short, and we are back to talk about another NFC contender, maybe a sleeper. I don't know. This is the weirdest team to talk about because this team should be so much better than they are. And Aaron, you know, I don't want to play around with this episode. Let's go ahead and dive on it. Let's dive into the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, this was your choice for the like the wild card contender of the of the off season. So, uh, let's get down to it. I chose the Cardinals. So I chose the Cowboys. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So let's let let's go 2019. Now, the reason why this team maybe isn't a sleeper and more of a contender, or whatever you want to call them, is because just like when you look at their roster, you just see talent everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, if you for a team coming off of having the number one overall offense last year there's bound to be a lot of talent at almost every position i mean this is a tier just this is a team just a few years removed from going 13 and 3 so why why is this considered why are they not considered like contenders why are they just considered a wild card team that's what we're going to talk about now here's the biggest thing when you look at 2019 they had seven games against teams that made the playoffs in 2019 and in those seven games, they went one and six. And that's mainly because they played Philly twice and they got the split. If they, if they didn't play Philly twice, I mean, that's no division. The other five teams they played, they just got blanked. And then they had bad losses to the Jets and the Bears, which here's my thing. If you're going to lose to the other playoff teams, okay, I kind of get that because those are the best teams in the league. But you can't be losing to teams that you're supposed to be better than. That's just, that's how I look at that. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to, like a good team beats the teams they're supposed to beat, and then they beat a lot of the teams that they're supposedly not supposed to beat. That's just how it goes. Like, you're supposed to win the easy games and then win a lot of the hard games as well, and they didn't do either of those. Now, I will say this. Six of their eight losses were one-score games, so it's not like they were getting blown out in any game, really. Uh, their biggest defeat of the year, I think, was like 11 points to Buffalo. And even then, that's still relatively close. I mean, you already said it right there. I mean, last year, last year they had the number three offense and the number 19 defense, according to lineups. And with statistics like that, realistically, you should be propelling yourself. But I mean, then again, we've seen what's happened with like teams like the Chargers in the past when like you're elite in all categories, pretty much. You still don't always get a guarantee. Now, over the offseason, the biggest controversy that everybody's been talking about is Dak Prescott and his contract. And we're not really going to dive into that too much, but that's where the, all the focus has been. When really the focus should just be on, like, how well Jerry Jones did in this draft. Like, he dominated the draft. He helped build a team. Yeah, he killed it. We talked about it in our draft review episode, but, man, he, it seems like every pick they made was a steal. They went and they signed a couple of defensive vets, you know, to help bolster this team. We already had, we did a video on Gerald McCoy and then, you know, unfortunately he got hurt. He still got some money. So, I mean, it's not all lost for him, but they also brought over Don Terry Poe from Carolina. They just signed Everson Griffin a couple, like, like a week or two ago. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix is here to be their safety. We don't know what's going to happen with Earl Thomas, who everybody is like speculating to maybe come here, but. I mean, they went and they got some legit vets to go with this awesome draft class and this already established team. I think the Dallas Cowboys should be better. I don't know what it is about them that doesn't deliver, but this team should be, like you said, 13-3. and three. 
that, stuff like that makes sense to me when I look at the Cowboys. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with coaching. They seem like Jerry seemed to be like satisfied with Jason Garrett year in year out, not producing, not giving results, and and kind of just like he wasn't bad enough to get fired. He never went like one and fifteen. It didn't have like a whole bunch of bad seasons in a row. He just could not get over the hump. He wasn't good enough to get them further into the playoffs. And uh, hiring Mike McCarthy, in my opinion, is a great move. That's a, he's an experienced head coach. He's got a Super Bowl win. He's, he knows what a winning culture is supposed to be. Like he, he knows how to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and for the longest time, a lot of people like, were so down on McCarthy because I think people support Aaron Rodgers more than they did him. And we're kind of seeing now even with LaFour in Green Bay that Rodgers actually might be the issue and it might not be the coaches and everything that he just might be a little more drama than these coaches are wanting to deal with but have to put up with it anyways here's the thing Dak Prescott you love him you hate him uh McCarthy you love him you hate him Ezekiel Elliott you love him you hate him it doesn't matter these guys have reputations on delivering in all ways that they're supposed to. Now, if they can all come together and win, that's like the final piece. Statistically, they're great. Historically, they've played well. They just got to get these wins at the end of the game. Yeah, and I'm looking at their offense, and their offense right now is absolutely stacked. Uh, you got Dak Prescott, who's played better. I mean, he had he, he won Rookie of the Year, Rookie Year, had kind of a sophomore slump, but he's looked pretty good uh, these last couple of years. Um, and then Ezekiel Elliott, of course, is an elite running back. They had Amari Cooper, who can be great. Added C.D. Lamb, who I think was the best wide receiver in this year's draft. And Michael Gallup is a decent depth uh, a wide receiver. And then their line is it's still their line is still really good. They lost Travis Frederick, but they brought in the the highly touted rookie from Wisconsin and Biades. Um, so they've got great offensive line still. The only weakness I really see on their on the offensive squad is the, is the tight ends. What do you think? I I can see that, but I think the only reason that like Blake Jarwin doesn't stand out as much at tight end compared to the other positions is because the other positions are so good. That's just the only reason. Like if Blake Jarwin was on the Jags or the Cardinals that we just talked about, we would say it's a pretty good it's it's a pretty good starter. You know. And I just think that the fact that there's so much talent around, it kind of casts a shadow over him. I mean, the Cowboys are the Cowboys are really good everywhere. I mean, the backup running back, Tony Pallard, is the one spot that I would say is weak. But then again, it's really you have Zeke, so you really don't need a backup running back yet. Uh, I mean, they're even strong at backup quarterback in Andy Dalton. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, he was a big acquisition this offseason. Yeah, and that's that's just like a very good like safety valve to have for your team just in case. Now, Kellen Moore, I think, is going to be able to take this offense and continue the consistency. Here's the thing. Everybody that's a, a Dak Prescott hater, and they, you know, I, I see this all over. ESPN loves to do this. They literally, it's like, hey, it's been, uh, it's been two weeks. Can we have a debate about Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott? And they just like recycle the same old shit all the time. I don't know why people hate Dak Prescott. I get it. He doesn't win. But it's not, it, it depends on how you look at it. Some people say that wins aren't all quarterbacks. Some people say they are. Last year, 
65% completion percent. He had over 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns with only 11 interceptions. I mean, his average, his average yards uh, in attempt per attempt was 8.2. And his quarterback rating was a 99.7. Like, I don't, I don't understand. He doesn't take unnecessary sacks that often. He doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of turnovers. I mean, on top of that, he also added three rushing touchdowns and almost 300 yards. So I, I really don't know why people hate Dak Prescott outside of the fact that he's asking for a lot of money, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think the, his kind of ridiculous demands have, uh, have kind of made people turn on him and not really like him a whole lot, kind of try to downplay how, how much he's improved throughout his career. I mean, even if you don't look at the stats, even if you watch some of the tape, you can see that he's, he's gotten better at, uh, at reading the defense like before the play and during the play. Yeah, uh, uh, Brett Coleman did a great video on him recently on what what he how he's improved uh, lately in this last year. Because I remember a huge knock on him in his rookie year, sophomore year, is that he wasn't as good as making those pre snap adjustments that you would see from Tony Romo before him. So I think we can expect uh, uh we can expect Dak to continue in this like upward. Uh, upward momentum and kind of keep improving and keep being the, the quarterback for the Cowboys. I mean, yeah, he's only, I mean, he, he was 26 last year. That's the biggest thing too, that I don't understand he, that people hate on it. Yeah. Maybe his claims for money are a little ridiculous. However, we have to remember where this team would have been had he not been able to play as well as he did as a rookie. Tony Romo got hurt like third week of preseason, right? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, this Cowboys team would have been, they would have been down in the dumps if Dak wouldn't have been able to pick up the reins and run with this team as well as he did. Yes. Did he have a really great offensive line? Yes. Did he have a, a, a nice running back that could handle 250 carries? Yes. But Zeke was also a rookie. So it's not like, it's not like he had some established veteran running back. To carry. Like they both had to work together. And my thing here is that Dak Prescott is good enough to get this team into the playoffs again. I don't think if the Cowboys lose, it's all Dak's fault. I do think that if they have success and win, that it is more of his credit, though, which might be counterintuitive to say, but that's just kind of how I, I feel. Based on his performance, I think some of the letdowns are on their defense, and if that defense can step up, I think that's the biggest factor here. Exactly, and that was a pretty good segue into the defense because I think a lot of the moves they made in this offseason, like you mentioned before, signing some veteran defensive players were great moves. They've also got Leighton Van Der Esch, who's coming off of an injury year, and <clears throat> so he should be back. Jalen Smith is playing really well. Sean Lee at the linebacker position is old, but he's still got some juice left in him. I mean, their defense is stacked pretty much at every position. The only thing I would have wanted them to do, I kind of thought they were going to uh, try and draft uh, Xavier McKinney, the the safety from Alabama in the, uh, this past draft. I don't have any beef with the picks they did make, but I felt like lose. I, I felt like that was kind of a thin position. Haha, Clinton Dix isn't the he's he's not super consistent at the safety position, and uh, that's kind of one thing that I would want to see them address probably after this season. How, however, though, the biggest thing, though, and that we have to realize on why Clinton Dix is brought in is while Clinton Dix isn't the most consistent safety out there, 
He's a playmaker. And that's something that this team lacked on defense last year. I mean, they were 30th in interceptions, 18th in forced fumbles, and 19th in sacks. Haha Clinton Dix is here to make plays. He's here to come in, get five, maybe six interceptions, force a couple fumbles, and make big plays in big moments. Is he the best tackler in the world? No. Is he the best in zone coverage? No. But he, for some reason, can make plays. He's like a, if we're comparing this to like another sport, he's that like a athletic dunker in the NBA that just like gives you like a flashy dunk or two a game, but then like you watch him one-on-one and his coverage isn't that good and, you're, and somebody just drives the lane easy, but, but he gives you that, he gives you that sports center top 10. Yeah, it gets it gets people going. It gets their blood moving. Like uh, it gets kind of everyone pumped up. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. He makes your he makes your balls jump when he, <laughs> he plays. He does jump my balls. <laughs> um, I love I love <laughs> but, their defensive line. Um, they've got so much talent. Even without Gerald McCoy, and Demarcus Lawrence, <clears throat> Everson Griffin. Those are two great defensive ends. Don't forget about Alden Smith, who's coming back. Yeah, Talden Smith is there. Um, Don Tari Poe, who, who hasn't been as great lately, but he's still a big body in the middle. And, I mean, they've got two, two rookies with great potential. Neville Gallimore, I remember he was also a steal. I mean, all their picks were steals. And then Bradley Anai was a pretty good pickup in the later rounds as well. I remember seeing him drop down the board during the draft. So, I mean, their defensive line is stacked with talent as well. Yeah, it it is 100% for sure, and I think this is enough pressure to get some more sacks. I do think that DeMarcus Lawrence needs to show up more. He has to be a bigger playmaker. This team right now at all levels has playmakers. They have guys that can just set the tone for their defense, and I think while they're not the most complete defense, I think they are very close to being that complete defense. I mean, even if you look at I mean, they have, they have Jordan Lewis right now playing nickelback, but they drafted the Alabama cornerback, Trayvon Diggs, who easily is going to be able to slot in and get some starting time as this year goes along. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they're expecting him to contribute pretty immediately. Um, that's like safety cornerback is where they're missing some, uh, some, some players. I mean, they're missing, uh, what's his name, Byron Jones, who signed with the Dolphins. We talked about that as well, and just by the way. But yeah, I mean, as long as you can get pressure on the quarterback, on the opposing quarterback, that's really where, where the defense starts and where you can really get a lot of production. So let's talk about the one thing on their defense that they need to improve. Uh, we don't really talk about this on offense because I think we kind of agree that the offense is, they're set. I mean, they went, the biggest thing they had to find on offense is they are going to downgrade at center from an all-pro to a rookie. And then they upgraded from Randall Cobb to CeeDee Lamb. Like, really, that offense is going to mirror image what they did in 2019. On the defensive side, though, they, they were the 11th defense in rushing yards allowed, 17th in rushing touchdowns, 15th in red zone touchdowns. And those are the big parts that they got to fix on top of the turnover rate. Dante Poe, while he's not going to deliver the statistics he used to, he is a run stuffer. Yeah, and I think I think that's where Ha Clinton Dix really is going to help out a lot. He can be that like strong safety, like extra box defender on the running running downs on run plays, like in the red zone and stuff like that. So I think he'll actually help out a lot when we're talking about run defense, even though he's a, a defensive back. I I agree completely. So 
let's move into the schedule for 2020. The Dallas Cowboys obviously play their own NFC East division. That's six games there. They will be playing the NFC West as well. So they're going to get all those, you know, like we just talked about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they're going to have that, those guys as well. And then they're going to be playing the Atlanta Falcons and the Minnesota Vikings for who finished the exact same as them uh, in the NFC. And then they'll be playing against the AFC North. So they're going to have to go up against the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, a division that we think is actually better than it got portrayed last year. There was some downplay, but this schedule is not, it's not easy. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty tough schedule, especially that Ravens game. That immediately popped out to me. And then the NFC East is always a bloodbath. Always like every team goes like three and three, win one, lose one against every other team. So it's a tough schedule. Yeah, I mean, the, going against the NFC West, I mean, we talked about all four of those teams possibly making the playoffs. That's crazy. Well, the thing is that they have to start on a road trip to Los Angeles. Then they come back home, and then they travel yet again over to the West Coast, play Seattle. And then they get lucky with three games in a row at home. And they have a Week 10 bye, which is a pretty... It's a pretty good bye week, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's the best, but it's, it's in agree. that range of where I want my team to have every year. Completely. The best part for them with that bye week is that's when they get to go and face, I'm not going to say their toughest task, but they're one of their toughest tasks in a road game at Minnesota. And they're going to have an extra week to prepare for that game. So they do luck out on that. And they also do get to travel to Baltimore the week after they play Washington football team. So, I mean, they do kind of have this set up where before they play a very top-tier team, they kind of get a lower-tier team. Like, before they play San Francisco, they play Cincinnati. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of balanced for them. Um, but I think they just have to, they have to get off to a hot start, and they cannot take their foot off the pedal at all. Yeah, and I mean, coaching is going to have a lot to do with that because if you go from playing a weak team to a strong team, a lot of times people fall into that trap game mindset. Um, and I think coaching is what's going to keep them from, from falling victim and losing those easy games that they lost last year. So if we're talking about schedule predictions, where do you, how do you see them finishing the season, Tyler? Tyler? I have them being 8-8 eight and eight as their floor. And I know that's weird because we're talking about sleepers right now. But I think that's their floor. And that's a good news saying the fact that I don't think they're going to regress at all. But right now, just looking at their schedule, I can peg them down for 10 wins is what I have. I think 10 and 6 is a very good season for them. It gets them into the playoffs. And I think with how much elite talent they have, getting into the playoffs is the most important thing. Doesn't matter if you have the one seed or the seven seed. When you've got talent, you just got to get there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think they'll do, I can actually see them doing fairly well against their own division, maybe like four and two, five and one. Uh, I agree. I think that. If if everything's a disaster and coaching doesn't work out and everyone plays shitty, I think their floor is, a, like you said, like 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they have too much talent to lose any more than that. Um, I certainly don't think they get worse than last year. But they do have a tough schedule. I can see them going 11-5 and five, and with losses to some of the tougher teams, maybe the Ravens or the, the Seahawks, the Niners. Uh, I think, in the, I mean, they're going to lose one to the Eagles. I mean, come on. Uh, but yeah, I can see them going like 10 and 6, 11 and 5, like you said. All righty. That is going to do it for us here on Second and Short. Thank you guys for tuning on into this NFC sleeper episode uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. 
uh, be ready to check us out because next week we are going to be stepping into the realm of elite contenders. We're going to talk about two of the top teams in the NFL and break them down. Be sure to click that subscribe button. Thank you to everybody that has recently joined us. We just got about 18 subscribers from our last video. Thank you guys very much. That video blew up, and hopefully this, this video does as well with you Cowboys fans. I have no doubt it will blow up. And you know what? If you guys want to check us out on other social media outlets outside of YouTube and everything, Aaron, where can they find us? You can find us everywhere. We're on Facebook, Twitter. We, we try to post polls and stuff like that, retweets, interesting things. And on Instagram, we have discussion points like uh, news updates, things like that. I try to update our story at least once a day. So uh, feel free to also send us a message on whichever platform you want, whatever time of the day, and with however many nude pictures you want to send. All righty. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure, to all be sure to also check us out on all of your podcast audio platforms. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. There's a link down below in the YouTube that you guys can check for our anchor site that directs you wherever you like to listen to your podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Have a good night.